You're listening to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. Join us on Discord. Welcome to Spooky Month here on the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jamin, and 1208 today is covering 1408, which I remember when we named 1208 Greenwood Church 1208. I was like, wait a minute. Is that that number from that creepy movie? Fortunately, it's not, though it's only one number away. (laughs) 1408 was a movie that I enjoyed when I was younger. Uh, I I enjoy like the PG-13 kind of scary movies because it's usually just like a little bit of like terror. It's not getting like overly grotesque or anything like that. Though I will say as I've gotten older, ratings have pushed themselves more and more. So PG-13 today feels a lot more like what R was back then. But I watched 1408 again last night and... uh, was just thinking over some of the themes for what I might get into during spooky month. And, uh, you know, there's there's actually the, like, themes that it does try to put into the movie religiously, which is, like, is God real? If God's real, why is there suffering? If God's real, uh, then the character's asking, like, why did my daughter die? Uh, and and why why didn't you save her are you real would you let that happen you know there's a lot of questions on the table it's the kind of questions that people are always asking today as well when we come in contact with suffering we join with job who encountered suffering to a crazy extent and also was asking those questions god why is this happening what's what's going on here so we could go down that route and ask those questions um but altogether the the movie doesn't uh dive super deep into that trajectory it just kind of has those issues on the table i think instead what we'll hop into is haunted houses and locations because that is a question that people often have like is that real you know like you hear these stories you watch these ghostbusters tv shows and all these things and you wonder like is is there any validity to this or is it all just hubbub and jib jab and Hubbada hubbada. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with those words. Uh, and I thought it might be helpful to kind of give that take from a pastoral perspective. So I remember I have a, a friend, so this is firsthand telling me his experience. He knew of a building where a husband had murdered his wife. Uh, and then he killed himself right after. So there was this like great evil that happened in this building. Now, following this evil, uh, people he knew bought the house, moved into it, turned it into offices, and then strange things would happen. And it's not like overly demonic sounding, but it was like creepy nonetheless, you know, like uh, fans or TVs would turn on and off or doors shut. You know, I don't even fully remember the list, but it was enough of little things like that, that it, uh, creeped out the people who were working in this building and they all knew that this guy this friend of mine who has like a phd in theology and a bunch of other doctorates but is also open to the ways of the holy spirit and has cast out hundreds of demons in his life 
they they called him. So he became Ghostbusters. <laughs> They're like, we our our office building seems haunted. Would you please come pray for it? So he does, and he walks in, prays over it, and then that stuff stops happening after that day. And the people who work there aren't freaked out anymore. <laughs> You hear a story like that, and we often think of, like, oh, that's just weird, like, The Exorcist-type movie stuff. That doesn't happen in real life. And yet, there's a story from someone who I trust, who was my mentor uh, in college, um, telling me firsthand that kind of story that he's come in contact with. So, can buildings be haunted? And if so, what's going on there? Like, is it ghosts? Is it demons? What are we supposed to do with that? And I would personally say that, yeah, yeah, I I think you can come in spaces that uh, you will find like something demonic is dwelling there. So let's talk about uh, spiritual um, dwelling places in general, because you have that in the Bible, right? In the Bible, like, let's at least talk about God and and his spirit dwelling places. Uh, So... In the Garden of Eden, you have God walking in the cool of the day. This is God's sacred space where God dwells. After humanity is kicked out of there, people aren't allowed back to that sacred space. And so angels are are put at the, the entryways to, to keep humanity out. But God still does show up uh, in other sacred spaces. Throughout Genesis, it's common to find him by trees. The Oak of Mora, uh, the Terebinths. Uh, Abraham is very interested in camping out or planting trees in the places where he's at because those are the places in which he's encountered God throughout his story. And so trees become kind of these sacred spaces where God shows up. Jacob sees a ladder going to heaven, and when he wakes up, he's like, oh, this is a sacred space. This is like a portal area between heaven and earth. Uh, You've got um, the Ark of the Covenant. That's supposed to be the place like God is not inside of the ark. He's sitting on top of it. And so that becomes a sacred object where God's presence is so manifest that people should be afraid to get too close to it. Because if they do, you might die. You're in the presence of God. You're in this sacred, holy space. And what might happen if you yourself are uh, uh, living a sinful kind of life, you know, and not pursuing holiness and all that. So so there's those kinds of stories of sacred space where God dwells. Um, you find him in other spaces, the temple, um, these glory clouds that show up and fill the temple and fill the tabernacle. That's God's manifest presence. Up on Mount Sinai, you find God's manifest presence. Uh, and, and so there are these stories where places become sacred because God meets there. Now, that's us in the New Testament, right? We are sacred space. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Paul calls us a temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you're looking for uh, God's presence on earth, you would look to Christians because we have become manifest sacred spaces where God dwells. So with that being said, we now have a connection between sacred space and something spiritual being made manifest there. Now, in this case, it's God. Do we see that with demons? And I think the answer is yes, because all throughout the New Testament, you find Jesus come in contact with people, and people become the physical locations where demons can dwell. Just like people become the physical locations where the Holy Spirit can dwell, we as Christians, right? Physical 
locations can be people where demons dwell throughout the New Testament. So everywhere that Jesus goes, he comes in contact with people, and the demons inside of them will manifest through their bodies and then start to talk to Jesus, to which Jesus always just tells them, you know, get out of here, you know, like he doesn't have time for this. But that is an example of a physical location where a demon dwells. So if it can dwell in a person, why not also a locative place, especially a locative place where great evil has happened, right? If somebody has murdered someone, that's a very dark sin. Like there's a lot of anger and aggression and darkness to take you to that level of, of sin. And it would not be surprising that in leaving that sin behind, you have given something evil, like a, a legal right to be there uh, and, and manifest in that place. And so like this story that I shared earlier, earlier where somebody killed their wife and then killed themselves, like that's dark. And it's no wonder like the places where we hear like the possibilities of hauntings being there, it's no wonder that we hear of those possibilities because those are places where super dark stuff has happened and possibly given something the legal ability to now be present in that space. Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament where Israel goes to uh, fight against, uh, uh, I believe it's the king of Moab. And the king of Moab, in attempts to like, they see that they're losing and attempts to fight back against Israel. What they what the king does is he takes his son and just sacrifices him right in front of everybody. And it says that great wrath was poured out on Israel in that moment. Now, Israel would have won if they just kept fighting because they were told that they would win that battle and God can't lose a battle, right? So they could have won if they kept fighting, but that wrath freaked them out and they fled. So they lost that battle. But like right there, maybe that's an example of something super dark being done, giving something legal rights of sorts to like exhibit wrath. Uh, that's that's a dark story. That's messed up. Killing your son and sacrificing it to false god right in front of everybody. Like that's that's grotesque. That's evil. It's not shocking to me that like there was wrath of whatever that means poured out in that moment, something demonic um, kind of attacking in that moment. And I think that's what you see with these kind of hauntings, these physical locations. Now, from a pastoral perspective, you might be surprised to find out that we pastors sometimes get calls <laughs> from people we know and people we don't know asking if we can come pray over spaces. And we're open to that because that's actually a common place of of ministry within the church. Actually, if you open up those old books of discipline uh, for us pastors that have like a bunch of boring stuff, but also traditional stuff and also what we believe. If you go to some of the traditions, you'll find we have prayers to go to houses and pray over houses. And the reason that we do that is because we don't know what's happened there before. When you buy a house, who knows what the previous owner was doing there? Who knows what they were into? Who knows if like the occult was commonplace in their life and and they had made that kind of like a, a space for something evil to, to come and dwell. You just, you don't know what happened there before. But as a Christian, when we move into new space, we can take authority over that space and say, okay, 
whatever was here before, your legal rights are broken. The person who owned it before does not own this piece of land anymore, does not own this building anymore. This is now under the ownership of me as a Christian and therefore is sacred space to the Holy Spirit. So whatever's here has to leave now in the name of Jesus. And I've prayed those prayers. And, you know, you, you don't always necessarily see something happen right in that moment. I suppose it's possible, but I haven't. And I don't even always hear stories of like what happened after, though I like to check in and kind of find out. I do seem to recall one house we prayed over, they said like it just felt lighter after that. And I know that's not like super, uh, <laughs> oh, Jamin, that just sounds so deep and whatnot. But like, I don't know if you've ever just kind of felt a spiritual sense of a building before. Some people have that to like another level, almost like a sermon of spirits that the Bible talks about, like you can walk into a space and just like feel a heaviness of sorts or like a darkness of sorts or even a lightness of sorts. People talk about feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit, like, oh, he's here now. I, I can sense it. Uh, people who have experienced that enough can tell kind of when that shift happens. The same thing I think can happen with uh, uh, the spiritual atmosphere of a building, that when it's cleansed, just like my friends once said after I prayed over the house, it's just like, it just feels lighter now. It's like, yeah, okay, that's hopefully a discernment of spirits right there of something that actually has happened in the spiritual realm. Great. Um, same thing when you're casting out a demon. After you've cast it out, the person might exhibit like a lightness to them. Like we've seen the heaviness leave. I remember once when we were casting out a demon, when we were done with it, like you could see that. Like you could see the body loosen up. They, you could, almost see like the sense of freedom in them as though the atmosphere had shifted in their in their body uh and so when you see stories like that it helps you kind of discern maybe with houses or physical locations as well uh there there is um other times i've been called up because like hey our child is seeing something in the house and they described it and we were told like it sounded like the owner uh depiction of the owner who was here before or something like that you know like okay i i'm not necessarily here to say like we're dealing with ghosts but we are dealing with something possibly spiritual so let's go ahead and pray and cast out anything that might be here and see if those dreams stop and we go around the house and we anoint every room and we pray over it and that also becomes a moment of evangelism to say to the people that we're praying for, look, I don't know if you're a Christian. I don't know if you believe in Jesus, but the only reason this, like as Christians that we come and do this in the first place, because we believe in Jesus and we are uh, trying to take authority in the name of Jesus to cast something out that's been here. If you're not Christians, A, I don't know like if that really is going to happen, if we'll be removing anything, but this is also a chance for you to receive Jesus and be able to take that authority yourself to, to ask what's here to leave and uh, give your life to Jesus and, and follow him and, and, and do that. So there's a little space even for evangelism in, in praying over houses when it comes to people that you haven't necessarily met before. So all that being said, do I believe that spaces can be haunted per se? Yes, I don't necessarily see it in the same way that people see it. You know, our modern ghost stories are always like, oh, the person's been left behind in the spiritual realm and they're still here and influencing it. 
Now, I don't think there's a need to go that route as to if the Bible leaves space for that. You know, I, I don't know that it does. It, it talks about um, people being taken to Sheol, uh, being taken to the underworld of... It's not hell. Hell it is at the end of the Bible, that lake of fire where everything is sent to be done away with forever. But Sheol is this underworld where all the dead were thought to go in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, it distinguished, you know, if you're if you're a God follower, if you're a Christian, you actually go to paradise in heaven while you wait to come back to earth. And those who experience the resurrection leave heaven to come back to earth, while those who were stored in Sheol in the underworld... Uh, are sentenced to lake of fire because resurrection was not what they chose to follow and following God is not what they chose to follow. That That's a whole nother episode. And I think we've actually talked about that before. I think it was our episode called uh, What the H-E Double Hockey Sticks. <laughs> so you can go well, listen to that one for more details on all that. But it seems like generally the Bible shows like once you're dead, you're assigned to, you know, Sheol or heaven based on who, who you decide to follow God or the false gods. Uh, so I don't know that we're necessarily dealing with ghosts, but we are in a sense dealing with something demonic after we come across these evils and haunted spaces and people like haunted house stories, and we do make up a lot of stuff with our minds. Uh, how often do we think we saw something and then we realize, you know, turn on the light, oh, it was just my coat hanging on the wall, you know, things like that. So there are plenty of stories, of course, that are just like not even remotely spiritual in the first place, just people freaking out about things in the dark. Um, but occasionally, occasionally you might come across these things, and it's good to take authority and pray over those spaces. Uh, you know, when I was young, I'll, I'll maybe end with this story. I think the first time I ever heard like a creepy demon story was in children's church. <laughs> you saw the teachers kind of freak out a little bit. Uh, but someone at children's church was talking about how they saw something in the room. They were a kid, just like me. They saw something in the room and it was coming like towards them and they just said you know like in the name of jesus you know leave me alone or something and like a big red x went over and it disappeared uh and you saw like the the like teachers like okay we just scared all the children a child scared the other children now they're all gonna go home and be panicked but like that story stuck with me my entire life because when i look back at that story i'm like i think of my friend who claimed jesus in that moment and saw evil flee and that's what we do when we come across the haunted 1408s, if you will. And 1408, of course, nothing's like to that level. That's just a movie. But it gives us the stepping stone to talk about can rooms, can spaces be haunted? And to that, I'm okay with saying yes, though there's a lot of other things that I think we just write into those stories that aren't necessarily there. And I don't think uh, um, we need to be afraid because as we walk in the power of Jesus, we can cleanse unsacred space and turn it into sacred space. So let's continue to do that. And that brings us to the end of the 1208-1408 episode. We will catch you next time.